Welcome to Volunteer Connection, the podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. What's beautiful about Girl Scouts is that it takes girls outside of their comfort zones and encourages them to learn and grow and change the world. But Girl Scouts doesn't just do these great things for girls. It does the same things for the adults in the movement, too. This podcast is to celebrate those amazing adults, to share lessons learned, advice, and best practices, and to tell their stories. And the last retention episode in my little retention series is today. So today we're going to talk about older girl retention or long-term girl retention. If you want to check out the other retention episodes, I have one on volunteer retention, and I also have one on girl year-over-year retention. So make sure you check out all three. This is a super relevant series right now. There's this perception that Girl Scouts is for little kids, like specifically elementary school K to five. Um, And that leads us to the older girl retention conversation. And for this, there's really three pieces. One, what do the girls think about older girls and Girl Scouts? Two, what do their parents and families think about older girls and Girl Scouts? And three, what does society think about older girls and Girl Scouts? So let's start with talking about number one, the girls themselves. So some ways to really engage the girls themselves for older girl retention. This is a big one. Long-term goals and ideas. They need to be forward thinking. They need to have skin in the game. My troop is planning a European excursion when I get to high school. So I have to stay in Girl Scouts until high school. I am putting forth the effort in these money earning projects and cookies and all this to go toward our eventual European excursion that we've been talking about. Did you know that we recently decided we're going to do Paris, London, and uh, Barcelona? I don't know. Um, So you're not only talking about the initial idea, but over time, you're continuing to bring it up and remind them and have them talk about new specific things as they're exposed to them to plan those long-term goals and ideas. Now, it doesn't have to be travel specifically, but travel is a big principle of Girl Scouts as girls get older, but it's, it's tons of activities. Similarly, you want to communicate and even in some ways like daydream or almost like fantasize with, um, your girls about what Girl Scouts who are older girls do in Girl Scouting. Um, and for some of these, you can use real life examples from other older girls. So specifically, we teased our fifth graders recently. We showed them the cadet girls guide. We talked about the significance of being an older girl or a khaki girl. We showed them the map at the front of the book with the activities that cadets do. Um, they were talking about their eventual silver and gold awards. They were talking about the travel opportunities available and the high adventure activities that are available as they continue to get older. And I actually had a girl who went home and said to her mom after the meeting, did you know next year I get to be a cadet? So that's the kind of excitement that you want. Fifth grade is the number one drop-off point for Girl Scouts, and half my troop is in fifth grade this year. So we really spent this entire year super, super focused on girl retention, older girl retention. Keep those fifth graders coming back because (laughs) otherwise we'd lose half our troop. (laughs) Okay. Another thing you can do related to this is introduce girls to other older girls. Make sure they're exposed to older girls. 
Um, and that can be done through the high awards, that can be done through the bridging requirements, that can be done through high adventure opportunities. You can introduce them to older girl robotics teams. You can introduce them to older girls through camp. You know, usually they have counselors in training or, or camp counselors in general who are teenagers or college students who they look up to. This year, we're taking our girls to annual meeting, which is an event that your council puts on. It's council specific and it's a business meeting. In our council, it's run by older girls. High school girls put on the entire event. Um, we also have older girls who are board members and the girl board members are at annual meeting. They introduce themselves. They talk about what it means to serve on the board. So taking our fifth graders there next month, taking our fifth graders to see this, that this is what it means to be a khaki girl. This is what it means to be an older girl. Look at these girls planning this meeting. Look at these girls sitting on the board. That could be you one day. Um, also, multi-level events with your council or your service unit specifically, that's a really good opportunity. If they can see it, they can be it. So if they can see other girls who are older than them in Girl Scouts, they're going to be motivated to stay. That's why it's a bridging requirement, in fact. Okay, there's also a natural progression of activities that needs to happen to retain older girls. For multi-level troops, make sure you are giving older girls a chance to do things with only other girls their own age, in addition to multi-level activities. That helps girls feel special, it helps them feel seen, and it helps them feel validated. Talk to them differently than you do the little kids, or talk to them differently than you did when they themselves were little. So I mentioned before we do some journaling in my troop, which opens like the pathway to dialogue about real life issues that girls are going through. We have composition books that girls, if you get them at back to school, they're like 50 cents. It's ridiculous. So we get composition books. We give them a prompt. They can either write to the prompt or they can just write us a letter or write about anything that's journal about anything that's going on in their lives, whatever they want to do. Um, if they write us a letter, we'll write them back. So um, some girls will just take that opportunity and write to us. Other girls want to test the boundary a little bit if I write to you what happens. So they're going to write to us, but they're going to write something silly and goofy and surface level. And they'll say at the end, write me back because they want to know what happens when I do this. Are you actually going to write me back? Do you actually see me? Do you actually see what I put there? But I don't trust you and with my most personal, deepest secrets until I can prove that I can rely and depend on you to see me and validate me and um, keep my secret secret. And so once you have established that trust, they're going to ease into telling you more and more personal things. And this has been a big one for us to be able to connect. Do you guys remember I did a GSLE progression episode several weeks ago? Um, go back and check that out, whether you remember it or not, even if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and check it out. Um, it goes through specifically what the different examples are of what GSLE looks like as girls progress through the program. Um, starting specifically in middle school, it becomes much more serious and complex with relationships among friends, potential romantic and even sexual interactions and development, and deeper and more complex relationships at home. So as girls continue to get older, there's probably some issues at home at some point or another and, you know, with varying degrees of severity and so on and so forth. Also, participate in activities with progressive levels of difficulty. So especially for multi-level troops, 
you might be focused on what will be interesting or engaging for girls no matter their age, but if a kinder or first grader can do the science experiment, it's going to be less interesting for fifth or sixth graders. They can still do those activities and they can still have fun, but also make sure that they get to do things that are more challenging and that push them to further develop the skills and experiences that they've already had with your troop. And a really good example of this is outdoor programming or travel. So do longer, more difficult hikes. Um, do longer camping trips further away from home. Travel in general for longer periods of time and further away from home. And safety activity checkpoints show things like horseback riding, archery, high ropes courses, and so on that become available as girls continue to age up. So make sure girls have the opportunity to get involved with things per the safety activity checkpoints and let them know, like, hey, now you're in fifth grade, so you can do X, Y, Z, let's go. And then girl-led means something completely new as girls continue to age. And once again, I'm not going to say, like, now girls can lead their own meetings. Of course they can, but that isn't necessarily going to be right for every girl, for every group of girls. But girl-led means girls are making decisions, right, and seeing the repercussions, both good and bad, of those decisions. So as girls get older, let them look at the breakdown of the budget for a trip, a camp out, a field trip, an event. Let them understand more about troop finances. How much money are they actually bringing in from money earning projects and programs like cookies, fall sale, and maybe any other fundraising you might have done? How is that money actually spent? What's the breakdown look like? Has that changed from year to year? And can they brainstorm some ways to help save money? Let them do some research themselves. If they want to stay in a hotel during their trip to New York City, they can look at different hotels. They can find out where they are located compared to the activities they want to do. They can look at the differences in cost. They can research what activities they want to do in New York City. They can list the opportunities and how much they cost. They can map them out so they can see where they are in relation to each other and so on and so forth. And then let them lead the younger girls. Some of this is built in, like bridging requirements, junior aid, program aid, CIT, and so on. But even if it's not to earn a badge, let them plan one or more of the badges for the younger girls. And if this is a multi-level troop, that is super easy. But if it's a single level troop, Maybe you can network with your service unit or your neighborhood or your community or your council as a whole and find a younger troop. The girls could work with any age that's younger than they are, and they can plan the activities and go visit to lead a meeting. You could even hold an event for lots of troops to come to if this is allowed in your council. You usually have to get approval for something like this, and sometimes there are restrictions about like whether or not you can have a registration fee. But if your council approves it, you can make this a money-earning project for your troop. They could plan an event, charge a fee, and then girls who come would earn a badge. So most of the time, if your council approves an event like this, they'll even include it in their event catalog. But you can also promote it to your service unit and your council as a whole, like on Facebook. Make sure you get approval, though, if you're going to market it. Some councils won't approve it as a money-earning thing, but they might approve you to do it for free or like at your own expense. But this is a great way for girls to take on leadership and to feel powerful and validated getting to lead younger girls. The younger girls idolize the older girls and they make them feel really special. I was recently listening to an older girl describe a time that she was having like a really, really bad teen day and she had agreed to go volunteer at a younger girl troop meeting. And when she walked in, the girls were so excited to see her. It made her feel like a million bucks and it just like completely turned her day around. So while it's important for older girls to have time just to themselves to hang out with only other older girls, it's also important for them to take leadership with younger girls. Another thing you can do for older girl retention, socializing and downtime. Girls need more of this as they get older. Younger girls need to be kept busy. They need to be kept on track. They have shorter attention spans. So 
They need to be kept busy in order to be engaged in the activity and to avoid complaining and like lethargy. But older girls want to hang out and chat and giggle and be silly and just like chill out in a safe space with their friends. Another thing, talk about their future. We already covered talking about their future in Girl Scouts, but what about their future after Girl Scouts? So expose them to career opportunities, learning life skills that they'll need when they graduate, and help them think about what comes next for them after high school. If it's college, if it's a career or a family or some mix of any of those, help them design the life they want and encourage them to have big dreams and support them in starting to take steps to make those dreams actually happen. If a girl's talking about wanting to go into law enforcement, for example, introduce her and her friends to people in different aspects of law enforcement, maybe like detectives, police officers, state troopers, and so on, especially if they're women. Make sure she can participate in activities that will help her be prepared for this. So staying super physical, rising to challenges, and earning badges that are related to skills that she's going to need in that field. If several girls in your troop have dreams of attending college, maybe plan a college tour trip where you can hit two or three schools in a seven to 10 day trip and so on. And this doesn't necessarily mean just for high school girls. This could be middle school girls. This could be sixth graders, right? Just giving them that forward thinking future vision. Another thing that's a big one is high awards and take action projects. Bronze has been a big one for my troop. Already, the fifth graders who just finished their bronze this year, they're talking about what they want to do for silver and even gold one day. They're really getting the impact and outcomes of GSLE. They're seeing the impacts of their own effort. They're making a difference in the world around them. They're feeling powerful, validated, a very strong sense of self. That is a great way to bond and support each other, too. They worked together as a team, and they had this special experience together. Okay, finally, related, and this is maybe the most important thing and the biggest one, in my opinion, trying new things. Girl Scouts should provide opportunities for these girls that they can't get in other competing co-curriculars. Girls who love art should get to do artsy things in Girl Scouts for sure, but keep in mind that they're going to be able to paint and draw and so on at school and in other clubs and activities. So are there artsy things that you can do with your girls that they might not have the opportunity to do in school or in other clubs? Who can you introduce them to? Who can you take them to meet? What shows or performances or exhibits can you take them to see? What travel can you do related to art? Are there different kinds of art that they can try as a group that they might not have easy access to elsewhere and so on? Another example, girls who love sports are probably playing them outside of Girl Scouts. They might want to share this with their Girl Scout troop sisters, and that's great, but what other active sporty things can they do that they wouldn't do elsewhere? Like forming a Girl Scout soccer team, because your girls love soccer, is an option, but they can and will join soccer teams through school or other existing club teams if they really love soccer specifically. So would these girls be interested in, say, obstacle courses, high ropes courses, zip lines, meeting college or professional athletes, going to college or professional games, trying sports and active activities like whitewater rafting, rock climbing, and random sports and games that they might not have heard of or they might not have a chance to participate in outside of Girl Scouts like Gaga Ball or making up their own sport or trying sports and games from other countries and so on. How do we help families think about older girls and Girl Scouts? Because um, we already talked about general girl year-over-year -year retention means you need family buy-in. So how do we get family buy-in for older girls in Girl Scouting? 
This is going to be communication, communication, communication about long-term impacts and GSLE outcomes for girls. That becomes way more important. We want to expose their families to ideas about what other girls are doing and what opportunities are available, especially college scholarships as girls get older. And we want to talk to them about the long-term ideas and plans that your girls are coming up with so they know that there is skin in the game. Like I said, mom, I have to stay in Girl Scouts next year. I want to go to the meeting because we're planning our European adventure when I get to high school. Okay, so for society's understanding, how do we help society have a better understanding that Girl Scouts is not just for little girls? In fact, Girl Scouts was originally not for little girls at all. So I'm not really sure how the perception has changed over time, but somehow we have really socialized our communities to understand over time that Girl Scouts means pigtails and sashes and selling cookies. Um, but little, little girls, not older girls. And that's just a really interesting perception that's changed over time. Um, so one really big opportunity, our biggest opportunity that we have to interact with the public is selling cookies. That is the number one time that we are in front of the community, society, you know, whatever, um, where we have an opportunity to impact that perception of Girl Scouts. So it's really important that we can have good communication and education at cookie booths. So this is a time where you want to make sure that your girls are really able to speak to what kind of things they do with their money, what they get out of being in Girl Scouts, why they want to be a Girl Scout, who can be a Girl Scout, and where the money goes to support Girl Scouts and why it's important to be able to support girls in this way. And especially as girls get older, they're going to be better at speaking to those kinds of things, right? And let's be honest, any of us who have been selling for multiple years can attest to the fact that a daisy can pretty much bop around and people are like, oh my God, take my money. But as they get older, the way that girls, older girls are successful at cookie sales is by being able to communicate effectively with their um, potential customers. And it's not just about only communicating with customers, I think that's the other thing. Whether someone's gonna buy or not, make sure that that interaction is as engaging and educational and mild-mannered, et cetera, as possible. And that sounds so awful to say mild-mannered. I know there are people who are like, don't tell girls to smile at cookie booths. Don't tell girls to have good manners. That's um, encouraging, you know, sexism. And I'll tell you, you know, I try not to bring it too hard into this podcast because I don't want to make it political, but I am one of the biggest feminists you'll ever meet. And I can understand what people's discomfort is with telling girls to smile. But in this case, it's not about smiling because they're girls. It's about smiling because they're learning people skills and customer service. And I would honestly, if I was selling popcorn with Boy Scouts, I would tell them also to smile. Like you want to be, good at customer service and when we go places um you know quote unquote real businesses and we're interacting with a customer service agent or a cashier we expect them to be pleasant and kind and when they're not it's noticeable and when they are it's noticeable so you know we want to encourage girls to be 
good at customer service and really effective at customer service. I'm not telling her, um, you know, when a boy's being mean to you, you should smile. When somebody catcalls on the street, you should smile. I'm not teaching them that. I'm not actually talking about that at all when it comes to cookies. But we're talking about what it means to be good at customer service. So that's where I'm coming from with manners, because then people are more likely to listen. That's really what it comes down to. If the girls are polite and well-spoken and friendly and kind, then the public is looking and watching and listening um, and vice versa. If the girls are horsing around or being rude or careless or disengaged from the overall process, then the public is watching and listening to that. And that's not something that people are necessarily going to be eager to give their money to. If they're in it for the cookies, then they might not care. They're willing to do it anyway, just like us at a restaurant or at a gas station or whatever. But when somebody is rude and you're more invested in the experience than in the actual product, it's easy to walk away from that interaction, right? And say, forget it. Never mind. I don't want this anymore. Like, you're rude, right? Or you're unprofessional or you're not helpful or whatever. So we want to make sure. And I think signs are another really good opportunity at cookie booths because um, we already talked about having, and maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, about having signs at your cookie booth that really talk about the goals that the girls are working for, um, making sure that they're informative about the donation opportunities and things like that, because people don't know if you don't tell them. And sometimes they don't give the girls the opportunity to tell them. So having an eye-catching sign that tells them about that opportunity, um, that's going to uh, maybe get their attention and bring them into the interaction. Um, so you want to do that, but you can also have signs about GSLE outcomes. You can also have signs about what it means to be a Girl Scout, about the types of activities your Girl Scouts do. You could put pictures of things that your Girl Scouts have done this year. Um, whatever, you know, you think is going to look eye-catching and is going to get the attention of people, whatever the girls think is going to be eye-catching and get the attention of people. And there's so much collateral online. If you look at, like, GSLE stuff online on the Girl Scout website, if you go to the Girl Scout website and you're looking at stuff about the program and about, you know, why they should be Girl Scouts or you're looking at recruitment material or something like that, they have graphics already done. They have charts and graphs and all this cool stuff. And if you had that set up at your booth, then some people are going to stop and, and check it out. And not everybody, right? Not everybody's going to care. That's just the truth. Some people are on the phone. Some people are in a hurry. Some people just don't want to be tempted, so they won't even look at your booth or whatever the situation is. People are having a really, really bad day. Whatever the situation is, some people just are not going to care, no matter what signs you have. But um, the couple of people who do stop and look at them and read and engage with you and ask you and the girls questions about it, they might just go home and tell their friends and family, did you know this? Um, and even if they don't tell anyone, it's going to change their perception of what it means to buy cookies. Am I right? So, you know, just think about that. Also, speaking of telling friends and family, this is another opportunity that we have, especially in the age of social media. Um, but in your 
all your interactions with friends, family, work, your social media networks, make sure that you're communicating with your own network about Girl Scouts and what Girl Scouts do. And you don't have to like put it in their face like a sales pitch. You know, you could make some social media posts that are like, did you know this? Um, there's a lot of graphics that Girl Scout pages share, follow a bunch of different councils, not just your own, but follow a bunch of councils, follow the main Girl Scouts page. Um, across all platforms, you know, Instagram in particular, you're going to get a lot of really good photo based posts because that's all you can do on Instagram. Um, but follow them on Facebook, too, and you're going to get a lot of like videos and, and photos and things like that that you could reshare. That's easy. You don't have to write anything or you just write something up like, did you know Girl Scouts um, are all about uh go-getting, innovating, risk-taking, and leadership. Here's an example of my girls exploring risk-taking, and it's a picture of them on a high ropes course, right, or whatever. And now, again, with sharing photos, you're going to want to be careful because you want to make sure that it's a girl you have permission to share her photo with your network. Definitely don't share it on a public site if you don't have if it's if it's not your own kid or whatever. And honestly, don't geotag anything, whether it's your own kid or a different kid don't geotag where your girls go because um that's a really easy way online for predators to track down kids so you don't want to do that but um but you can still share photos one thing i like to do is try to get photos of my girls that don't have their faces in them like from the back or from their mouth down or something like that i like to try to get photos that show their uniform really well and show whatever activity they're doing but don't show their whole face and that way um, I can share photos with my personal networks and again it's not a public post but I can share photos with my personal networks and it, the girl's not identifiable and so I like to do that um, and I also will make sure you know anything that I post will have permission or you know it's or it's super locked down and it's it's only for my really close friends and family kind of a thing um and don't geotag so then you also want to just mention it conversationally though like um hey this was my weekend and it's a picture of you know you with your girl scouts meeting ostriches or you with your girl scouts doing science experiments or whatever and um, that the more posts that people see like that, they're going to understand this is what Girl Scouts do, right? Um, I actually, I don't know what your work situation is, if you work, what your office situation is like, but for me, I work in an office. I have, um, like a corner that I sit in of my little office. I share with one other person, but my, my half, my side, I have pictures, right? And I have pictures of my family, and then I also have a whole bulletin board of pictures of my girls over the years. And it's them doing science. It's them with animals. It's them, you know, picking pumpkins. It's, it's all these different things that they've done. Um, and it's just like a hodgepodge of pictures. And people who come up to my desk to talk to me or who ask me questions or whatever, they always stand and look at the photos. And that's such a little easy way. And sometimes they'll spark conversation about it. And I'll just say, oh, yeah, I'm a Girl Scout leader. Like, I really love it. It's, you know, and, and a lot of my coworkers know I don't have a girl that age. So um, it's also like, yeah, you can do it without having 
a girl to be in the troop. And in fact, I actually ended up recruiting one of my coworkers to be our third co-leader this year, just that way, just because I talk about it a lot. And I don't talk about it in a sales pitchy way. It's just a part of my life and it's part of who I am. And it's, um, you know, when we're talking about our weekends, most of the time I had a Girl Scout event. When we're talking about um, what we're doing that night, most of the time I have something to do for Girl Scouts. Either I'm planning something for Girl Scouts or I have a meeting of some sort or whatever. So, you know, it's easy for me to just bring up conversationally all the time. I share stories about the girls in my troop with my friends and family and coworkers the same way I would share stories about my friends and family and coworkers, right? So that's an, an easy way to just communicate, 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 and that's going to ch change their perception over time. Another thing you can do is actually reach out to the media. Um, lo your local media is often looking for like feel-good stories to share in um, like publications or TV or radio. Um, so you can share with permission, make sure every everybody's on board, but you can share pictures, video, or just the story. And honestly, you should share them often because the worst thing that's going to happen is it doesn't go anywhere, right? But somebody's opening that and looking at it. So you're still impacting somebody's perception. And if they do choose to air it or they do choose to print it, then that's a lot of exposure. And share them with your council as well. Most of the time, your council actually has no idea what your troop is actually doing. They know what's in the program and they know what kinds of activities girls do, but they only know what your troop is doing if you tell them and if you share photos with them. So the other piece of that is council themselves ha is not going to reach out to the media directly about stuff that troops are doing because they don't know what troops are doing. They don't know. And frankly, they have limited resources to run stories because as an organization, if they want to submit stories. It can be very expensive to get to get coverage, to get press. So not only do they not have a realistic picture of what's actually happening on the ground like you do, but they also have limited resources to share it. So you can't just rely on council to do more PR. You got to help them. So A, tell them what you're doing, share photos with them, share videos with them. And again, make sure you have approval from your parents and guardians. And then you also want to share it with the press yourselves. And, um, Again, make sure you have parent and guardian approval, but share that stuff with the press yourselves and see what gets picked up. Um, so if you don't know how to share with your council, you might have a Facebook group, like my council has a private Facebook group that's just for leaders, that's one way. But if you upload anything there, it's gonna be pretty low quality um, from a print perspective for the um, marketing team. So they might ask you to email the information to them they may also have, maybe you have like a staff point person for your area. Well, you do have a staff point person for your local area. Um, so if you know who that is, then you might be able to submit to them. Or at the very least, you can ask them, hey, if I have pictures and videos and things that I want to share with the council staff and specifically the marketing team, like I want them to have these photos. Where do I submit to? They probably have an email address to submit to or a specific person who is the go-to person to collect those kind of stories that probably does exist. So ask some questions and see what you can find out. If you don't even know who your council point person is, then like who your staff person is for your local area, then you want to check with your like service unit manager or your SUM or your community 
manager, your community leadership, whatever you call it in your area, that's who you want to um, ask. And if you don't know who that is, then we really need to talk because um, that's definitely something you want to be plugged into. So if you need any help finding out how you can connect with your local Girl Scout community, then um, definitely reach out to me. You can submit this stuff to GSUSA as well. GSUSA has a link on their website, and I want to say it's in the blog. I'm going to try to find it, and I'll put it in the show notes. But you can actually um, submit to GSUSA as well, and they might pick up your story and put it in the Girl Scout blog. Now, who reads the Girl Scout blog? Probably primarily Girl Scouts, right? or people who love Girl Scouts or who have been Girl Scouts in the past. However, that stuff gets shared, and it's also then searchable. So if somebody's searching the Internet, then they might find that blog post. It might come up in search results. So that coverage still obviously counts for something. And um, it's nice for Girl Scouts of the USA to have a realistic picture of what girls are actually doing. So that's another thing. Oh, and once again, if you're going to submit anything um, to – your council or to GSUSA or to the, the press directly, make sure you're tying it into GSLE. Use that terminology. Use that phrasing. Talk about those outcomes. Talk about the impact that the activities that you're doing have on girls. Make sure you're using that language. It's, so it's not just look at these cute girls doing science experiments. It's here are some Girl Scouts doing science experiments, and here's why that matters. What does STEM bring to girls, and why are STEM activities important for girls? And did you know Girl Scouts offers that opportunity for girls? And here's the local council um, join form. So, you know, you want to always be tying it back in. And I have a STEM episode that should be released in the next few weeks, so you'll actually have that as a specific example. Okay, so that's it for today. I have been referencing GSLE outcomes and long-term Girl Scout impact a lot, so if that feels overwhelming or if you want to go deeper about what I'm actually talking about, there are several other episodes on here about GSLE. GSLE is the Girl Scout leadership experience. It's all about what activities girls do, how those activities are structured, why we do those activities, and what girls get out of those activities in those ways. It's something you should definitely be super familiar with, you will get more out of Girl Scouts, and so will your girls. So check out those other episodes, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get a notification whenever we release a new episode. We talk about the research and the structure of the program a lot, and then try to give you actionable ways to use that information with your troop as effectively as possible, so you don't want to miss a thing. Do you think these episodes are helpful? Does it give you some things to think about? Do you think your troop is well-positioned for long-term retention? Drop me a review and let me know what you think. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.